Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Anyone struggle with humbling yourself before God and others? Yeah? Do you struggle with a proud heart? Ever forget that it's not your good works or your performance that makes you acceptable to God? Ever compare yourself to somebody else and feel like, yeah, I got it going on? They're so lame. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Maybe it's not pride you're wrestling with. Your struggle is more with your own sinfulness. Maybe it's feeling unacceptable to God. Well, whether you struggle with the sin of pride or with your own sinfulness, there's great news today. There's hope. There's hope for the humble. Jesus teaches us in this context where people were actually... Uh, self-righteous. He brings the passage that we're going to look at today, and he gives us insight that's very helpful to us. So let's read the passage. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. He, that is Jesus, also told this parable to some who what? Trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Ooh. Here's the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I give tithes of all that I get. Wow, it's pretty squared away. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted powerful. Jesus teaches in this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector that God mercifully justifies sinners who humble themselves, not the proud who trust their own self-righteousness. The humble are highly esteemed by God, including as followers, they're included as followers on the journey with Jesus. In a nutshell, the main point of today's message is this. The humble experience God's favor, not the proud who trust in themselves. Let me say it again. The humble experience God's favor, not the proud who trust in themselves. How do you respond? There are three responses we can give that merge out of this passage. The first response that we should have with this truth, this reality, is this. Assess your own heart for pride. Assess your own heart for pride. Start there. 
Examine your own heart for pride, not others. So easy to be like, yeah, yeah, you need this. No, think about your own heart. Listen to the Pharisee to see if you see any similarities in your own heart. The Pharisee said this in verse 11. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I do. It said that they went up to the temple, Jesus said in the parable. See, the temple court had an inner court and outer court, and it was like the center of worship and prayer, but it was also a center of uh, social protocols and who could stand where, and, you know, the elite uh, religious stood over here, and the outsiders were over here, and the Gentiles, they were out here. There were, there were protocols socially and how you could uh, arrange yourself, and it says both of them, the, both the Pharisee and the tax collector, went up to the temple. Pharisees, if you remember from Scripture, were basically considered God, the religious elite of their day. They considered themselves to be a cut above others because they believed in God, they believed in the Bible, and they actually thought that their, their moral adherence to the Bible, their self-righteousness would make them acceptable with God. Mistakenly so. Well, this Pharisee ended up bringing his moral resume to God as if God would need to accept him based on his good works and his moral living. He kind of had the list of don't, don'ts and do's and what I'm not like and what I actually do. Oh, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. But I do... Man, he was like a cut above. Fasted twice a week, religious. Man, he was it. That was above and beyond what was even required or expected. This guy was going for it. And he tithed out of everything that he had. Anything he got, he made sure he set apart off the top that tithe. I mean, this guy was going after it. The problem was... He thought that that meant that God owed him. He thought that that made God have to accept him. And because it, it was mixed with superiority, it says also, I'm not like this other, this tax collector. So he's got contempt for others who aren't squared away like him. Question, a few questions. Do you ever rely on your own goodness to make you acceptable to God? Man, I'm having a bad day. I guess I can't pray. Or that starts to distance you. Or you think it's your good works that earn your way into God's favor. Do you ever lapse or forget that? Think about that. Think that God owes you? God, I've done all this. Now you got to come through. You owe me. Do you ever compare your life or your morality to others and feel superior? Do you ever feel contempt for other people? This guy looking down, 
man, that group, that person, that man, that woman, that group, they're, they're just lame. They're disgusting. You ever find that welling up in your heart? Do you ever insult people or groups online or directly to their face? Or maybe you're like, well, I don't really do it directly, but I talk about them and how bad they are. People that, whose positions are different than yours or practices. Remember, these Pharisees were the religious elite. They believed in God. But they also proudly held their positions of morality and let it sink into their heart in such a way that it made them feel superior to others. If you recognize the pride, the sin of pride, for trying to either earn God's acceptance by your good works or your attitudes of contempt towards others, there's a second response that you need to to make. First of all, check it out. I think, man, as we examine our hearts, we're like, ooh, yeah, ouch. Yeah, there's some of that in me. But we don't want to stop there. We go on to remember something really, really important. Response, remember, God's favor to the humble comes through Jesus. God definitely brings his favor if we'll humble ourselves, but we also have to remember it comes through Jesus Christ. It's not just about like, hey, let's get, let's up our virtue of humility. No, it's actually knowing that we're sinful, that we need a Savior, and that, it, uh, that favor from God comes through Jesus. Let's take a look at this tax collector. See what we can learn and draw out for ourselves. Verse 13, it says this. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look, put his eyes, look up to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector. Now, remember, these were not popular group of people, the tax collector. Who were they? See, in biblical Israel, they were taken over by Rome. So they were under Rome's thumb. Rome would give a lot of freedom to the Jewish people to, to function as long as they paid their taxes and they kept themselves squared away. So, who collected the taxes, the toll tax? So they had Jewish people from among their culture that would collect the toll tax. And so they were despised by the other Jews, and particularly these Pharisees, looked down at them as turncoats. So they would collect the tolls, and it would be like this. Collect Rome's portion, okay, and a little bit for me, pad my pocket. Rome's, thank you, a little bit extra for me, pad my pocket. And so you can imagine how despised these fellow Jews were in, amongst their culture. Well, Jesus picks the, uh, out a tax collector who knows he's sinful and uses it to teach us the lesson. 
This, what characterized him that we need to have? Contrition about his sin. He doesn't pretend he's got it together. He doesn't pretend that, he know, that he's moral. He owns his own sinfulness. He's generally contrite. Hardly even to heaven. And he, I mean, he's just sorry for his sin. And he doesn't stop there. He doesn't wallow in hopelessness. Check this out. What does he do? He asks God for mercy. He recognizes his sinful condition, but then he asks God for mercy. He requests mercy. Mercy has this idea of asking God, God, please, out of your compassion, avert your just judgment that's due me. Let your judgment, your wrath be turned away from me and extend to me your, your grace and your compassion. This is the idea of a guy asking for mercy. Jesus says something that's astounding, that's such good news. Jesus says what? This man went down to his house, what? Justified. Justified. This is the idea of being declared righteous by God. Jesus is saying, this man went down justified. He's accepted by God. He's declared right with God, not the other guy. God extended his mercy to this man. He was justified. And Jesus finishes up his parable by saying what? The one who humbles himself will be exalted. In other words, God lifts this person up. And he highly esteems the, the humble. He's shown his favor. He's accepted. He's declared right with God and esteemed by God, all by God's mercy. Question, how do you think, this, how do you think those that were in the crowd thought about this? Because they would have been like, man, it seemed like the other guy... That Pharisee had it going on, and Jesus is here saying, no, 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 it's, it's, the, it's the tax collector that goes down justified. It's, he's the one that's highly esteemed. So you can tell, man, you can just imagine them like rumbling and like, that's bogus. Oh, man, that's terrible. I don't know if it raises questions for you. Like, how can Jesus just say, boom, this guy wants mercy. He gets ju justified. He's highly esteemed. Good to go. Well, first thing is, is Jesus has authority to forgive sin. Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the King, the Messiah who's on the scene. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, he's, and God says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. He has authority. Before Jesus ascends back, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Jesus has the authority to declare someone forgiven. But that still raises the question, how is that just? How is that just to be able to declare somebody forgiven? Jesus not only has the authority, Jesus substituted himself. He took the wrath, the judgment that was due sinners like you, like me, in order to avert his wrath from us. Remember, 
Jesus is on a journey here. It started back in Luke 9. Luke says, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's, it's, we're, we're encountering what's called the travel narratives throughout Luke. And Jesus has set his face. He knows he's going to be lifted up in Jerusalem. And all throughout, it's like, who's on the journey with Jesus? Who's on the journey with Jesus? And Jesus keeps teaching Son of man's going to be crucified and raised. Son of man's going to be crucified and raised. The Christ is going to be crucified and raised. He knows where he's going. He's getting ready to substitute himself, our place, so that God could be just and extend that kind of mercy to those that humble themselves and ask God for it. Friends, that is good news. After Jesus is raised from the dead, after he's substituted himself, taken God's judgment upon himself for us, he's raised and then he meets with his disciples. And in Luke 24, he says, it says, he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day be raised again. Repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. This news is such good news. It's good news for you. And it's good news that needs to be proclaimed out. Jesus took our place so that God's mercy could come to us, so that we could stand in God's favor and God be just, and we as sinners be justified and forgiven and fully accepted by God. That's huge news. The good news is this. God justifies the ungodly. Look at these passages. See, Jesus' disciples and Paul and Barnabas and others took the message out and proclaimed this good news. In Acts 3, they met with uh, a Jewish audience, and they're, they're proclaiming this news. And they said, therefore, friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain through the law of Moses. It's not good works, no matter how much you try to live by the law and live by your good deeds, you'll never get it done. It's Jesus who does it for it and frees us from that. He writes to the believers in Rome and he says this, Paul, and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. That really reinforces what Jesus was teaching in Luke. He justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness, just as David speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So, how do we respond? Own your sinfulness before God. If you've been living a sinful, immoral life, Publicly or secretly, there's good news. God shows mercy. If you've identified yourself as a Christ, but your heart has been filled with pride, there's good news. You can repent, humble yourself, experience God's grace and mercy afresh. Humbly trust Jesus. God's grace and favor comes only through him. It's like a coat, I think of. So 
if one of your beloved friends or family members gave you a new coat at Christmas, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Hey, the, the cold weather's coming. They give you this beautiful coat, and that one you've been wearing is like, it's ready for Goodwill. You know, it's not far down the street here. Drop it off at Goodwill and make the exchange. So we have the opportunity to make the exchange that God will do for us by his grace and mercy. We exchange our works righteousness, our attempts at proudly pleasing God, and we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ in exchange for that. Make the exchange. Receive that new coat. Turn that other one loose. The final and third and final response is this. Test our own heart for pride. We remember God's favor to the humble comes through Jesus. And then finally, we let God's, let God's favor to you fuel your loyalty to him. You're under God's favor. He did it to you by his grace. He's extended his mercy to you. Let that be what fuels your everyday loyalty back to him. You know, it's Jesus said in Luke 18, 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. So this guy leaves the temple. He goes back down to his house, to his everyday life, and he leaves with a whole new status and a whole new standing with God. Fully accepted, highly esteemed, totally forgiven for his sins. Now he goes back to his house, his everyday life, and he lives with that reality in his everyday life. And now he has the opportunity to live differently, to live loyalty, loyally to Jesus the King because of grace. Not to earn God's grace, but as an overflow of the fuel that fuels his everyday life now. The tax collector could let God's favor be what activates and cultivates his life and his loyal obedience now. Think of the guy Zacchaeus. It's coming up in a couple weeks, I guess. You guys are preaching through Luke. Zacchaeus chapter 19. I don't know who's preaching on that. Sorry if I steal your thunder, but I just can't help it. Zacchaeus was a real tax collector, little guy, climbs up the tree. Jesus is coming by, right? And he says, uh, Zacchaeus, come on down. We're going to have dinner at your house. So they, they interact. They hang out together. Zacchaeus has a faith encounter with Jesus. He puts his faith in, in Christ. And this guy, he says, this guy is saved. He experiences salvation. The guy is so fired up and so loyal now to, to God. He's like, I've got to reevaluate how I'm stewarding my money. He's like, man, I don't need all this. I'm going to take half of my assets, and I'm going to liquidate those and actually serve the poor with half of them. Then he's like, you know, this guy was, you know, one of those guys that was ripping people off. He goes, oh, man, if I've, if I've ripped people off, I'm going to restore it fourfold to those that I have ripped off. I mean, his heart's changed because he's so thankful for the mercy and grace of God. He's a loyal follower of Jesus. He wants his every is now being fueled by the good news that he's now received. 
as you and I face moral choices every day, we have the opportunity to remember the mercy and grace undeserved that God has showered upon us. So for me, at home, it means remembering God's grace to me to humble myself when I'm having an argument with my wife, Molly. Now I have to remember God's grace to me in Jesus. And it helps me humble myself. It helps when also when she says, now I know you're lawyering up, but you're probably going to win this argument. And I'm like, what am I doing arguing? Jesus has loved me so much. Why don't I just humble myself, listen, and then interact with her and think about how could I serve her like Jesus has served me? And it's a game changer for me. What moral choices or opportunities to serve do you have? I want to encourage you to think about those opportunities as you decisions. Remember God's grace and mercy to you. Let that fuel you to say yes to God. Your everyday life. What are you facing right now in your life for this week that you're like, I need to set that aside because that's not part of what God has for me. I need to embrace this and, and serve others. Opportunity to serve because God has so graciously served you. Let that... Let that mercy and God's favor fuel your obedience and your loyalty to King Jesus. So I'm going to conclude with this. Let's just sum up. What have we seen today? For we've seen, in a nutshell, the humble experience God's favor, not the proud. So three responses you can make. Assess your own heart for pride, but don't stop there. Remember God's favor to the humble comes through Jesus. And then thirdly, let God's favor to you fuel or catalyze or encourage your loyalty back to him. If you're a non-believer here, you've never come to put your faith in Jesus. You've never humbled yourself to trust Jesus. I want to encourage you to admit your sin, trust Jesus, and experience God's favor. He highly esteems the humble. Humble yourself. Trust Jesus. Experience his full acceptance and his presence. Believer, you've put your faith in Jesus. If you've already believed in him, but you find yourself distant from him because of sin or pride, return to God humbly today. Remember, you're already justified. You're already accepted. Let that fuel your loyalty to Jesus today, this week, and in the days to come. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I ask, Lord, that you would change us Lord, help us to take to heart your teachings. Thank you for your grace, your generous mercy, your undeserved favor in our lives. 
through Jesus Christ. We want to say thank you and offer our lives as a loyal thank offering back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.